Follow that up. I don't know. Say everyone. (laughs) Hello, everybody. We like welcome podcast today, where we attempt to elicit a little bit of humor mixed with very little intellectualisms (laughs) and the ability to be ourselves in the liturgical cycle of the year. My name is Father Peter Masson. And for those of you who have not shut off your iPhone, my name is Scott Powell. Yeah. No. It is your you name. Got, you got offended by that. No, I didn't get offended by nothing. You know, you were like, you were like, just please stop talking. No, like that. I didn't. You're embarrassing me. I'm sorry, dude. This is the problem. <laughs> you're a dad now, and so you have children, and you know what my it means to be. My job is to, to be... embarrass them. Yeah, and so my job as your father is to embarrass oh, you. Yeah, my father. <laughs> see, dude, see, dude yeah. you fell directly I into felt... my martial arts trap. I actually felt embarrassed. From... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, that was a weird feeling. Anyway, this is the word on the hill. We are the lanky guys, and uh, we're so happy you joined us so today. So happy. Uh, um, I want to give a shout out oh, to shout out to Verbum Software, dude. <laughs> All I, of you. Yeah, dude. I just have to say, David Walker and oh, the whole crew. Lou Saint Hilaire. Like you guys, I love your stuff. Yeah, you guys are great. Like I this week, I studied really intensely, which I probably will have no insights because I studied. But you can always tell when Father Peter studied because that's when the shoutouts to Verabum start. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so helpful. I, I cannot tell you, like, you know, it, it's um, books are so they're hard so last to, year. They're so hard to use, man. I love books. I uh, they are great, but when you're like trying to do intense research on Dude, a single year Catholic, passage, we're a both and. I know. That's the thing is I don't diss them, but if you're looking for a single passage in the entire team well, yeah, of the helpful. Christian tradition. Yeah, and then if you want to find out all the different translations and derivatives grammatically of that word. Yeah, no, Verbum's pretty nice. I use it all the time. <laughs> Real nice. So Verbum, you guys are awesome. Guys, check out Verbum, verbum.com forward slash lanky guys and you can get uh, some pretty neat discounts on their stuff yep and uh and i really am not just doing that for that no 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 but just so you know i just dig it so you guys this week we are heading directly into what is this the fourth sunday of easter <laughs> for the build up and to not know the answer <laughs> i didn't pay attention to the ordinal number it's all right fourth sunday of easter and our readings should we just jump into the readings i mean we are coming I mean, you if, have more, if you believe in that sort of thing. You have more chit-chat, <laughs> more, uh, um, more small talk. Have you seen the weather out there? It is beautiful. It is really beautiful. And my mint, I grow a lot of varieties <laughs> of mint. I was just kidding about the weather. <laughs> no, no, mint. Tell me about your mint. No, no, come on. Come on, man. Mint, we are in a weird place with each other I know, today. I no, there's mint. It's growing out the back door. And if I'm you could see me, I'm pointing at it right now. And if you guys are not used to growing things, I just want to encourage <laughs> you, like... Growing like an herb garden is really fun, cathartic, and because then you can cook with it. And there's so many spiritual analogies. We had a speaker for the Aquinas Institute called uh, Dr. Vigen Groyan, who writes beautifully about um, the theology of gardening and how it it's connected to uh, the whole Christian worldview. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So today we are going to um, not be in any sort of gardens or anything at all, even though uh, there's no. resurrections. Not but... even one. Well, no, I can connect it to a garden. Oh, Boom, I got dude, it. I, I got wait. our I connection to, to the garden. Let's go. Uh, and so today our first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Indeed. A-X-E. It's like Golden Axe. Dude, oh. do you remember that video game? No, I don't. Dude, Golden Axe was pretty sweet. 
So I remember uh, pole position. Pole position from my Atari. <laughs> that was the best, dude. I saw a documentary. It recommended <laughs> it to me on on Netflix. That, it doesn't uh, matter what I say. You have a follow up, <laughs> no matter what, dude. That's because I was trained in improv. Okay, so what's your what's your uh, documentary, dude? There was a uh, like the rise and fall of Atari and how uh, they buried the ET game in the desert, and they did a bunch of investigative <laughs> journalism and found all of the like the worst game <laughs> like buried in the desert. Oh, and Netflix man. recommended it to me the other day. Of and, course they did, and so I'm really excited to watch that one. All right, so act. Uh, did you say what's the re- what the reading is? Four, eight to twelve. Eight through twelve, and then our psalm is coming from Psalm one eighteen. Verse 1, and then 8 through 9, 21 through 23, 26, 28, 29, and the response itself is from verse 22. Yeah, deuce, deuce. Oh, that was a lot. Yeah, and then our second reading is from First John. First John. It's going to be chapter 3, mm-hmm. verses 1 and 2. Just a little short guy. I I was trying to do this, uh, that accent, because I learned it from Nathan Goebel on the Catholic Stuff Nathan You Should Goble. Know <laughs> podcast. Goebel is ridiculous. And, uh, and, and, which is a really great podcast. It so you is. Guys should Catholic Stuff You Should Know. And uh, but but he just has this 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 accent that is just wonderful. It's his Father Brian Larkin impression. I know, but it's really funny because it's mm. not Brian, Father Brian no, Larkin. No, it's not. That's but, the best part. But some people only know Father Brian Larkin from him That's doing the what's Father Brian Larkin so voice. So wonderful, and so it really makes me happy. If you know Father Brian Larkin, then you might be laughing. Larkin maybe, maybe thirst. What? Larkin thirst. But that you can look that up on YouTube. I will. Okay, and our gospel is coming from the Book of John. Chapter ten, verses eleven through eighteen, which is kind of strange. It's it's um, we're a little bit off course for this Easter season. We've been sort of telling the the narratives of all the things that happened post resurrection. This one kind of takes us way back in the middle of Jesus' ministry. Off road, off road, four by four. It's a bit of a bit of a backflash, flashback, backflash, backflash to that flashback. Black Flash wasn't that a movie in the eighties about some fire fire? Oh, back back flash back back. Backdraft. Backdraft, yes. Yes. All Dude, right. I Anybody who tells us that this podcast is ADD is no. totally OCD. Because we are... <laughs> you, I don't know if we've been this ADD in a long time. I Sometimes we always... Ref, well, we have... Sometimes past, we always <laughs> refer... Yeah, we have referred to ourselves as the Catholic car guys, and other people have. And I caught a car guys episode on NPR recently, and I was like, this is great. I love these guys. <laughs> and I was, I was pleased that we got... Uh, Related to them. They always do the snort laugh. <laughs> okay. So Acts of the, <laughs> Acts of the Apostles um, are reading. So here's the thing. I'm at, I was actually struggling in my own studies today. Okay. Um, talking bus? about these readings apart from one another. Because no, they, yeah, they do real. I, I mean, I see a big time um, connected. It's like a puzzle. It's like a jigsaw puzzle going on here. And they also... Uh, um, I, I my temptation is to do them in reverse order, but that's not a good thing to do because what what they're I mean they're actually going, it it's kind of like telling a story and then giving all of the flashbacks, yeah, which is kind of what they're doing and and then there's this culmination in John, so that's okay, so we'll go with that. So uh, Acts of the Apostles, we actually pick it up. I don't know if I said this already, exactly where we well not exactly but almost exactly where we left it off last week. So do you remember last week what we got in Acts of the Apostles was this story of. Peter had just, and we didn't read the story in the reading, but Peter and um, John. Well, it was Peter specifically had just healed this um, this lame oh, yeah. beggar, right? Uh-huh. And it was the whole thing, you know, money and and gold and silver. I have not, but what I have, I will give you. I don't have money to give you, but but here, rise up and walk. I'll give you your walking 
ability back. And um, people are freaked out, and they're wondering what happened. And that causes Peter to, to jump into a big homily, a little sermon, on precisely what Jesus has done and why he has the authority to do what he has just done and where that comes from. What happens next? So he gives this beautiful um, address, this this sermon, basically, about what Jesus has done. Immediately after that, and I actually want to pick it up right before this reading, because I think the context is really interesting. So in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, As they were speaking, so they were still kind of finishing this homily, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple... <laughs> I just like the term, the captain of the temple. Captain of the temple. And he picks the teams. He's the first one who picks yeah. the teams for, and their, well, for their kickball league. The captain, the word is strategos. Oh, strategos, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. It, it's And really, the captain is the head of the police force that patrolled the temple precincts. Okay. So, you know, there are police captains, so it's not that weird. But that's that's his role. So, really, the head of the police for the temple and um, the priests came up and the Sadducees, who are the leadership of the temple. And it says, verse 2, they were annoyed because these guys were teaching the people and proclaiming the, in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, by the way, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's why they're sad, you see. They're so sad, you see. And they threw out all of the parts of the Old Testament that actually had anything to do with the resurrection of the dead. They only... What? I've got a good connection all right, point. All right, hold on to it. Um, so then verse 3, and they arrested them and they put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. Um, legally speaking, after the evening prayers of the temple, so around 4 o'clock, you couldn't uh, technically put anyone on trial. So they had to throw them in jail until the next day, until it was you know a, a working day again. But it says, listen to this. But many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about... One thousand, no, five, five thousand, five thousand. So, I mean, it, lest you're reading through this and be like, okay, you know, they gave the speech and some people were interested, but they got arrested. Five thousand people are gathered around. I mean, dude, that's way bigger than the movie Lean on Me when, <laughs> oh, when he's outside and the whole high school is gathered. Like, it's like way bigger than that. You know what I mean? And that they were very effective. Way bigger. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Or that, you know, I'm not going to tell the scene that I thought of when you said that. Okay. It was from Beverly Hills 90210. One of the the shows from my youth. Uh, Dude. But what's going on here, though? You can actually trace something very interesting. What's the very first speech that is given in Acts of the Apostles? Uh, Do you remember? You know this. uh, Pentecost. Yeah, Yeah, the Pentecost speech. And what happens after the Pentecost speech? 5,000 people, 10,000, 2,000, 3,000. (laughs) (laughs) 3,000. How many ways can I hold it? I don't know, man. I thought you were giving me cheat sheet. No, I know. So three thousand people are baptized. They hear the gospel. He he was holding up his fingers as as. But I do it in a weird way. I use my thumb as the as the as the pivot, and I was and so I was confused. Sorry, and so obviously you jumped to ten (laughs) thousand. Anyway, uh, but so three thousand people hear the gospel and are baptized. What what Acts is showing you, and you know we we see Pentecost as this big pivotal moment, which it is. But this is actually a far bigger moment. There's 2,000 more people at least than were there were there at Pentecost. And so what Luke is trying to show you throughout the narrative is that the message is actually growing. It seems like, you know, Peter and the, and the apostles are kind of being beaten down. But in fact, what's happening is the gospel message is growing. One of the, the reading tools for the whole book of Acts of the Apostles is this, Luke is really trying to demonstrate that it's actually through the persecution of the early church that the growth happens. 
It's what actually propels the church into its growth. It's not Which is an imitation of Christ. Which is exactly an imitation of Christ. And that's Peter's whole point. We're only doing this because of what Jesus has done. So there's 5,000 people, which is why this is what draws out the captain of the temple police force, because there's this huge crowd, which is obviously a very big threat. If these are just guys, you know, yelling on the side of the road and a couple of people are listening. Yep. That's one thing. If there's a crowd of 5,000 people, then that, as we read in the next line, brings brings out Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, oh, Annas the, the leader, and Caiaphas the high priest. All of this family, they're all coming out to see because this is a really big deal, right? Yeah, man, that's a big deal. And when it says, verse 7, when they had them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name do you do this? In other words, who do you think you are? What authority? Who gave you the authority to do this here? And that's the moment where we jump into the reading for this week. But I I think the setup is kind of important to picture the scene, you know, in your minds. And then we can hear Peter's words, which is then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, leaders of the people and the elders, if we're being examined today about some good deed we've done to a cripple, namely by what mean he was means he was saved, which by the way, it's Peter's just reminding, hey, we're here because we just healed a guy. And you guys are obviously ticked off about that. But if we're being questioned about doing a good deed to this man, namely by what means he was saved, then all of you and all the people of Israel should know that it was the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, who you, and, and he's very pointed with his you, you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. In his name, this man now stands before you healed. He is the stone rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Um, I want to pause on that because that, I think, is going to be the operative passage here. Now, For me, too. I mean, I, that, like, there's no way. I mean, this is actually what binds us together in the midst of it. It's going to become a little bit more difficult in the gospel, but I think we're going to get there. But it's there. I want to just, I, I'm going to throw something out. And then, uh, then I, I'll move as, on. You can as long say, as it's not the baby in the bathwater. Ah, very good. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just I'm reading this, and I'm I'm wondering about grammatical derivatives and different ways that you can read these words. So obviously, the one the stone rejected by the builders is Jesus, right? He's quoting Psalm 118, though, which is our Psalm. Psalm 118 is obviously coming before Jesus, talking about Jesus. But I, I'm just wondering if there's a double meaning in here. Well, well, this is the thing: is there's a it's such a prophetically obvious expression Mm. that um that uh, so whenever i see something that's so prophetic you you, i have to ask two things okay what what are what is the the proximate fulfillment and what is the remote fulfillment Uh because what is psalm 118 even kind of getting at when it's going to say okay what? The, you're making all sorts of laughy, funny faces, not, dude. Nope. No, you're not doing that. So, so you're asking yourself, okay, how are we going to actually deal with? Is as Psalm 18, like okay, 118, 118, very big. Yeah, yeah. How are we going to deal with this this stone being rejected by the builders? Uh-huh. So Psalms, I'm going to look at, and I'm going to, well, I, can we just jump yeah, to the Psalm? I, I, let's, I, let's just deal with I'm the Psalm. I'm done with Acts for now. Because, Me too, because he's quoting that. I just want to note, though, that it's Peter quoting these words, because I think that's important. Because mm. really, I think this is a narrative about Peter. So more on that soon. So and, now we jump to Psalm 118. Okay, Psalm 118. So speak to, speak to me, and I'll give you the historical background. Okay, because I'm looking, and I'm, and I'm going to presume that this is a Psalm of David. It's actually not a Psalm of David. Okay, even better that it's not a Psalm of David because you have. Um, well, uh, let me, let me, let me. Uh, um, Lemma. What? Lemma. Lemma. Let me uh, put an asterisk with that. 
It's not technically one of those that's actually called a Psalm of David. Okay. It is, so this is in book five of the Psalter. The Psalter is divided into five parts, five major chunks of Psalms, and the Psalms divide themselves by that. Okay. All five of the books of the Psalms are basically retelling the story of salvation history in the form of song, right? Okay. So the first two books, the first two big chunks of Psalms are all about David, right? The kingdom, the kingship, the glory days. Then the next book is all about the exile. That's all the dark Psalms. Lord, where are you? Save me, God, for the waters have reached my neck, et cetera, et cetera. Then book four is about, okay, well, you know, we've actually gone into exile now, but we know God is still God. So it's all these psalms about the fact that God is still there, despite the fact that we can't see him. Book five, which ends the psalms, in which this falls, points ahead to the future. And it basically says, okay, now that we've had a kingdom, we've experienced the glory of God, it's been stripped away from us, we've learned to just trust in him alone, what's God going to do next? Now, at the very beginning of the psalms, there's a number of psalms. Well, the, the first two books of the psalms are framed by what we believe are coronation psalms. So Psalm 2, we believe, was what Saul, uh, David actually prayed over Solomon when he Got became it. king. Got it. Psalm 72, which ends the second book, is what we believe Solomon prayed over his son Rehoboam when he became king. The Davidic psalms all but disappear until book 5. And this isn't a Davidic psalm, but what it is understood to be is a coronation psalm. There's two more psalms, Psalm 110 and Psalm 118, mm -hmm. which we believe are actually, they follow the formula of a psalm that a king would pray over a, their son as he was being crowned. So while it's not yeah. specifically a psalm of David, it's a psalm about the coming messianic king. Does well, that make sense? Yes, I actually think that you could even point to it as the relationship of Saul and David. <laughs> because David, as the king of Israel, would be rejected in yes, a, that's true. And that then he, but then he has become the cornerstone. So I think that we can actually yeah. see in in a in a personal way, not yeah. necessarily a temple way, that yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he is the he's the cornerstone. Totally. And and so because I'm looking for, I'm always looking for the proximate and the remote fulfillment. Okay. Now I think you can also look at it as um, uh, in uh, the sense of the second temple as well. Okay. Because what what is it what does a uh, a uh, capstone or a, a cornerstone do? It goes on the corner. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Wait, well, a cor a cor what is a corner? Tell me, Father. What is a corner? What is a corner? Don't yeah. Socratic question me. That's my job. <laughs> no, come on. Just tell me what I a corner is. It's the thing that it's in the corner. <laughs> what does a corner do? It's the it's the thing that the student center doesn't have any of. It's the place where two things are joined. It's the thing place where two things are joined. That's a good definition. <laughs> it's a, a corner. That's is good. a place where two things are joined. That's and so good. so I mm. actually so so mm. I see. Where, mm. So do you see what I, do you see what I'm saying? Kind of. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So let's you're joining the proximate and the and the immediate, proximate and, and immediate, and, and, and not immediate, but the well, well, future. Well, I'm excited because I think that, that there's actually four ways. Okay, but yeah, I want to hear what you have to say and see if it. Fits well, all I have to say it's it's not going to fit into this, but I think it's still interesting. Well, I mean, it fits to some degree, but mine's mine's kind of a side note. Psalm 118. The other thing that it's doing, so it's believed to be a coronation hymn. The other thing, do you do you know where Psalm 118 would commonly show up in the Jewish prayer life? No. It's a very important psalm. No. It's in what was called the the Egyptian Hallel, or sometimes called the Great Hallel. So you remember on uh, on on the Passover. Yeah. So during the Passover, and and some of you may have done a Seder meal, right? During the Passover, the whole Passover meal, which is you know what the Last Supper was, it revolves around four cups of wine. In each of those wine cups of wine, we thank God and bless Him for certain things. It's after the third one 
um, that, that the meal is done, right? With, with, and this is the Eucharistic one, the cup of blessing it's called. But here's the, here's the catch. After the third cup, um, people who were doing the Passover would then sing the great Hillel or the Egyptian Hillel, which is Psalms 113 through 118. So now think about this. In the Last Supper, one of the things that appears to be going on, they have the cup of blessing, which would have been the third cup. That's the Eucharistic cup, which Jesus transforms into his, his blood. After that, we read in the Gospels that the disciples all went out singing hymns. What would they have been singing? Well, they would have been singing the great Hillel, or the Egyptian Hillel, which ends with the stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. So now picture in your mind all the disciples walking out of the upper room. It's probably dark out. They're walking where? Where are they headed? Uh, Mount of Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're walking out to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're actually singing the stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. Not realizing that they're actually walking Jesus, the cornerstone, to the exact place where he will be rejected and arrested and then put on trial. And it's shortly after that, even though Peter, who's clearly with them, who's just sung this hymn, is going to reject Jesus three times. He will reject the cornerstone. He is a certain kind of builder, isn't he? He's the builder, of the, he's the head of the church, the foundation. He as well, even though he just sang these words, will now reject and throw out that cornerstone for his own benefit. Whoa. So it's ironic to me then that yes. later on after the resurrection, once his mind is open to what has actually happened, yes. that he turns around and he quotes that when he's put on trial, when he's in the same situation that Jesus was before Caiaphas and the high priest and everybody else, he quotes that line. Ooh, that's isn't really, that powerful? That's really powerful. Wow. That's like that's really intense. That like, yeah, th- th- it's it's such a humble recognition of the powerful movements of the Spirit in his own life. When it's he says, "Gotta be moved by the Spirit," he was able to recognize that. Isn't that cool? It's really cool. that's what I saw. Like that was my big one for this week. I was oh, like, "Ooh, that's cool, dude. That's awesome." I I want to point out that um, the Garden of Gethsemane was actually a quarry. Was it? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Garden of Gethsemane was a quarry, and what would happen is that as you were quarrying stones, um, sorry, sorry, Golgotha was a quarry. Golgotha was a quarry. Sorry, I, I Golgotha was, oh, yeah, was yeah, a yeah. quarry. And so what happens is that as you're quarrying stones, and the stones that are that are um, too loose or not able to be built are piled up in the center. Okay. So Golgotha actually is this place where there is a s- stack of stones rejected by the oh, builders. Oh, man. And Jesus Christ is actually crucified on a pile of rejected stones. Whoa. That's out- intense. Outside of Jerusalem. Wow. I know. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? That's totally intense. Now, wow. but w- after that rejection... See, uh, Jesus, okay, I love the fact that we are at the Last Supper in this moment, and they're singing the stone which has been rejected by the builders to become the cornerstone. Okay. Because uh, Jesus uh, is doing this. I, I'm getting this from um, from uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Benedict's Reflection. Oh, man, what a great book. Yeah, he says that the cornerstone uh, does four particular things. Okay. The, the first thing that Jesus, as the cornerstone does, because a corner... This is capping mm. the joining of two things, joining God and man together, okay. two natures in his one person. Ooh, okay. He has united the Old and the New Testament. Ooh, I like it, okay. And blended Jews and Gentiles into oh. one Catholic church. 
that's where the gospel is taking us. Yes. And then he links the church militant and triumphant mm. together in a communion of saints. Mm. That is cool. Oh, Pope Benedict. I know. Isn't that like... Whose birthday was this week? Hey, what up? Or Meredith? last week. Every once in a while, I accidentally throw in Benedict when I'm saying pray for the Pope. Yeah. it's Well, it's a tricky one because he's still kind of the Pope. Yeah. I mean, it's like, dude, it's it's Pope and Pope too. <laughs> It's cool, man. Dude, we are in the land of two popes. Come on. Like, that's super cool. It's super cool. I kind of, I'm kind of a dig in that. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so that's really like, so I think that that's a, an exciting way for us to actually head into the second reading. Yeah. Even this, which I have, I don't really understand why we are in the second reading. <laughs> because that's the point in the of, liturgy where we come to the second reading. Well, it's a point of the liturgy of kidding. the second I'm just reading. Kidding. I was, that was meant to be funny. It was really not. So, um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I I am so mean to you recently. Why am I so mean to you? Because you're just a mean guy. Um. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We. I think we've talked about this before. Um. First John is just a tricky book to talk much about because we don't know much about it. We believe that it was written by Saint John, right? We don't know exactly who it was written to. We, it, the the widespread belief is that it was written around the 90s, right? So pretty late. Um, but we're not totally sure who it was written to. Um, he was the bishop of of the churches around the region of Ephesus, right? So it, it, it's likely that it was written out there. And if that's true, then the group that it was written to would have probably been Gentile believers, right? Not Jewish, uh, not Jewish converts, but Gentiles, Gentile converts. And so imagining that, and and what you mentioned with the psalm and where this is going with the gospel. He says this, Beloved, see what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What shall uh, we, what we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, what does that mean? We shall see him as he is. Well, what is he? Well, what he is, and so I'm reading that. I read that passage because I think that's a a weird little kind of uh, difficult to swallow line. We'll see him as he is. What does that mean? Well, here's the problem. If you go back to the Psalms, which we just came from, right, you can go through the, and we've talked about this before, I'm sure, you can go through the Psalms, and I, I think if you go through the Psalms, if you go through the prophets in the Old Testament, you can gain a better appreciation for why people in Jesus' time were so confused about who this guy was. And I think it's really easy to, as Christians to look back and say, well, geez, how did these guys totally miss it? There's all these prophecies about Jesus that he totally fulfills, and yet so many of his own people rejected him, and they didn't see it. They didn't get it. How could they miss it? You know, the born of a virgin, coming from Bethlehem, you know, um, all of these things, going to be a suffering servant, you know, spat on, done all these things. How did they miss that? Yeah. Well, it's easy to cherry pick the the, the prophecies that make most sense to us. Yes. But we also have to recognize that if you go through the prophecies, if you go through the Psalms, you got Psalms, you've got, you got, you've got Psalms about got. him being a stone rejected by the builders. You've got Psalms about him being a shepherd. I was reminded of Psalm 23 about Jesus as the good shepherd, which is where our gospel's going. You got Psalms about him being a mighty warrior. Psalms about him defeating all of his enemies. Psalms about him being defeated by all of his enemies. Psalms about him getting beat up and spat upon. Psalms about him running in with a huge war horse and killing everybody. And so you got to kind of go through and be like, well, which, 
it, what is it? Who is this king? Is he going to be a mighty warrior who defeats all of his enemies? Or is he going to be lowly and beat up and despised by his enemies? Like, which one? And we can obviously look in hindsight and be like, oh, that's why he's actually a warrior, a shepherd, a stone rejected by the builders, and a suffering servant all at the same time. Yes. But that's where hindsight is twenty twenty. But that's what John is saying, I think, that we don't, um, we do not, we do know that when is revealed, we will be like him, for we shall see him like he is. And it says, we will be like that. Now, if this is written to non-Jewish people who are trying to cobble this together and say, well, what does all this mean? What on earth does it mean to be a shepherd and to be someone who suffers and to be someone who's victorious and to be someone who's rejected by the people around you? Well, that's the definition of Christianity, isn't it? <laughs> that's what that means. Yeah, totally. That yeah. sums it up. Well, and that's where we're seeing uh, that under persecution from the yeah. first reading that there is a profound yeah. volumination of the church. But even that, it's simultaneous. So it's persecution, but it's also a group of 5,000 people flocking around them. Both are happening simultaneously. We're victorious and we're suffering. You know yeah, what I mean? They're actually, totally. even in the first reading, they're there in tension with each other. Yeah. 5,000 people hanging on your every word and all the leaders trying to kill you. Happening at the same moment. But that's the Christian life. That's the Christian tension of actually being victorious, being rejected, being yeah. someone who's called to shepherd the people around you, to yeah. guide, to teach, and also who's going to be rejected by the very people you try to guide and teach at any given moment. Yeah. That's the Christian life. And that is what's being revealed, not just to us, but in us. And that's the beauty of Christianity is that it's not just a faith that we can learn about Jesus. Oh, he did this. He did that. The faith is supposed to be embodied in us because nobody wants to look to somebody and be like, well, tell me about Jesus. They want to look to us and actually see an icon of Jesus. Yes. And that's what we're called to be because we're going to be much better witnesses than just giving a lecture about it or giving a podcast about it. It yeah. should actually be embodied in us, and I think that's what First John is getting us to. Absolutely. Oh, man, yeah, absolutely. But that's the Christian life, or it's supposed to be. It is. So take that. That's all I got on that. Yeah, I, I, you, you uh, had a lot more than me. I, I just, <laughs> I looked at it, and I, and I mean, I, I was just so caught up on this moment where it's the the Greek word ordering. It says that um, uh, we know that wherever he is revealed, like him we will be, because we will see him just as he is. Sounds like Yoda. It, Greek always sounds like Yoda. Koine Greek sounds like Yoda. Yeah, but I just I, I, when I look at that, I'm sure that there's not some technical thing that I'm missing because whenever I translated, my my professor said that I painted with a wide brush. Well, that's what Greek invites us to. It does. Koine. But, but this is the thing: not is classical. That, is that like him we will be because we will see him just as he is. Yes. Seeing him just as he is is implying, like, again, I don't know, man. I'm well, just Gar like, isn't always translated as because. Oh. It, Gar can be for or because, which even this that, is, there's this a is, wide this range. Is Hoti. Oh, Hoti, it's not Gar? No. Mm. Hoti is different. Hoti is because. Yeah, so because just we will see him just as he is. Hmm. And like this is the thing is that <laughs> seeing Jesus rightly, I mean, that's part of that's actually a but huge where, part of what we're we, trying to do here. Yeah, but where are we called to see him rightly? A, a scripture tradition in our own hearts and in the gift of the Spirit in the sacramental life, all of it. But I think here it's suggesting that look, you should actually look in your own life and experience and heart, and that's actually where he'll be revealed for what he is. And then you can go back and put the pieces together. Hmm. Oh, that's why scripture makes sense because I'm actually experiencing this. Hmm. And this actually makes sense to me because I'm living this. Yeah. 
And it seems strange and weird and abstract, but I know because I've read scripture and I've participated in the liturgy and the tradition and the life of the church, this is what it was said about Jesus. And now I actually see it in myself. I see him for what he is because yeah. he's been revealed in me. Yep. And that's the ideal. That's how it should be. And I think that's maybe what John means. Which is a good segue, I think, to the gospel. That's a phenomenal segue, which is, this is Good Good Shepherd Sunday. Is it Good Shepherd Sunday? I am the Good Shepherd. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but is it called Good? It's really called. I, I know what the gospel is. <laughs> yeah, it's always. It's called that, though? It's always the fourth Sunday of Easter is the Good Shepherd Sunday. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Learn something new every day. I am the Good Shepherd, which it's, is very interesting. It's German. I know. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus spoke German, too. I did. Well, he probably could have. Yeah, I mean, he he had because he is the word. Yeah, <laughs> the word. He is okay. the word. Um, which um, like I, context of John. I just heard a good German engineering story the other day. Okay, tell me. No, I'll tell you after the podcast. No, it's good. So, I, I my friend was on a Lufthansa flight. Our, our mutual friend of ours, okay. our, this Lufthansa, the German airlines, and Germans are known for being, you know, they they they're very engineer based and they they engineer things really well and really well done in their cars and everything. So my friend couldn't fit his suitcase in the overhead bin, <laughs> and he turned really loudly to like one of the flight attendants. He's like, I thought, he's like, what's the deal? I thought German engineering would have figured this out. And the the flight attendant came up without a, missing a beat and was like, we would have, but this is an American built Boeing. <laughs> I turned around. <laughs> like, yeah, but this is an American-built jet, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. I was, anyway, <clears throat> on to other things. So, <laughs> I like that story, I got a kick out of it. I do too. That's like that makes me so happy. The it's fact Father Nick's. Is that Father Nick's? <laughs> yeah. That's the who else would it be? Oh yeah. yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Um, uh, uh, what's our biblical buddy's name? Who always goes <laughs> biblical to... buddy. <laughs> buddy? Scott Hahn, John, or um, um, oh Thomas Smith. Thomas Smith. Mm, our biblical. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Thomas. <laughs> Tom, biblical buddy. Our biblical buddy. All right. Um, so John 9, uh, which John is- John 10. I know, well, oh, we're in John you're, 10. you're talking about something else. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, just, tell just me. Set, me. Set in a little bit of context good, because good. it's um, really Jesus' light of the world discord. So, so he heals a blind man. Then he draws us into the next moments to where um, he's, he's actually proclaiming the blindness of them. And, and like, actually, so what you're saying is that it follows the exact same schema as acts, a healing, then yes. a discourse about the healing, yes, and then a persecution. Holy cow! I didn't even realize it. Hmm. Anyway, I'm, I throw that out for your consideration. I accept such considerations. Um, wow, that was really good, man. I'm just, just super stoked. I don't really. It's like, pretty cool. No, continue. Yeah, yeah, I just, as you were saying, that, that, that's why we work together. This is why, why we, we have a havarim. Havarim. Um. And, um, yeah, really, <clears throat> the core of what I wanted to get at mm. is this the same thing of of uh, how Jesus is the cornerstone. So, like, yeah. the, sh the, the shepherd, what does the shepherd do? He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So right. we have, you know, the, the reality of the joining of humanity oh, in yeah, heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the Father, as I know the Father, I lay down my, sh and the Father knows me. Yeah. So again, it's it's this contact of man and God found joined in Jesus Christ as this ownership. And the shepherd is really the one who 
like comes after his sheep. He is not messing around in the midst of that. And and I just I just saw that as the stone reject like the cornerstone, like the 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 whole thing that as we're in our lives working in faith, we are allowing ourselves to be bound ever more up into this edifice of the spirit the temple of God built of living stones in Jesus Christ. And like, like, and that, that we see Jesus as the capstone, this of, of joining all of these, uh, both ands, these, this disharmonious, seemingly disharmonious moments. Like humanity, yeah. when you look at humanity, you're like, really divine? Like church is both, <laughs> is both pure and sinful. You're a disaster. Is holy and sinful. Mm. And so you say like, well, how could that church be divine when it's a bunch of priests like that are mean or weird or bad homilists right. or sinful in, in ways that are difficult. But then at the same time, we proclaim the church is totally holy yeah entirely pure yeah and so it's these moments to where like i'm seeing the good shepherd and the good shepherd is the one who is affecting this unity yes to actually draw together these things because if, if that if that corner doesn't have that capstone then the both walls fall down yeah totally well the other thing i think is cool about this even grammatically there are lots of shepherds in the Old Testament, and there's lots of king shepherds. You know, David was a king shepherd. There's lots of shepherd imagery. But Jesus doesn't say, I'm a good shepherd. He actually uses—John is very specific about his language. He says he is the good shepherd. Mm. It's not a good shepherd. It's the definitive good shepherd. All, all of John's statements, and even uh, even in Acts from the Cornerstone, it's e- ego the— Ego Ego emi. I am, right? Yeah. Um, they're all definitive. I'm not a cornerstone. You know, I'm not a— shepherd i am thee and it's interesting that after saying that that he is the good shepherd and talking about his flock and his flock knows him um what does he say it's where ho, he says ho, that ho poimen hokalos ho poimen hokalos he says it twice actually does he it's almost like verily verily like ego in me ho poimen hokalos ho poimen hokalos ten life and then lays down his life i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life like oh. This is like truly, truly. And that's how Greek always always does that if, if it wants to emphasize a point. But it's interesting, but he talks about, you know, I have uh, verse 16, I think it's striking, and I have other sheep, and they're not of this fold. Dude, I was trying to investigate that, and like I was not finding any answers uh, for like, how do we even, I mean, like, that is such a provocative um, expression. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a reference to the Gentiles. But but this is the thing is that the Jews and Gentiles are already being brought together. No, the Jews are not oh, at this point, not yet. Oh, they don't get it yet. I I didn't even I was not in context. And what's interesting is that you know in verse nineteen, right after what we read this week, it says there was division among them because of those words. And some people are saying, does he, he has a demon? He's mad. Now he did just say, I have the ability to take up my life, to lay down my life, and then take it up again. <laughs> that that's there. But I, which would freak anybody, which out. would freak anybody out. But I also wonder because we know something about the early church, we know the mindsets, and I wonder if part of the reason they were freaking out is this just utter distaste that wait a minute, what do you mean you have other flocks? Because mm. I mean that that's just on a human level, that's not something you want to hear. Yeah, like I've got another parish that I like too. Like I like St. Thomas Aquinas, but I've got this other parish which is really cool as well. And we'd be like, what are you talking about? That's you know what I mean. That like, it's sure. just like wait yeah. a minute, that doesn't sound good especially if there's this realization that well wait a second but we're the chosen ones yes we're your people what do you mean you have another flock and i wonder it's just speculation but i wonder if part of the reason for the division and the being upset 
is not just that he made a weird comment about taking up his life, which he's done before. That's not the first time he's done that. Mm-hmm. This is the first time John mentions division over it, though, and I wonder if part of it is because of this idea of another flock. There are others. There's outsiders that I want to bring and make insiders, and that is where our second reading was going because it's written to those outsiders who now, through Christ, actually have the eyes to see who they are. Oh, I'm a sheep. That's who I am. That's what's been revealed in me. And knowing I'm, I'm a, a sheep child, yeah. tells me that he's my shepherd. And that's why for huh. uh, for uh, Peter in the first reading, it's so important that he goes and he spreads this because he has to find the rest of the flock. That's his job because now Christ is embodied in him in a real way. And so just as Jesus was the good shepherd, now in his image, Peter can be a shepherd as well. And you, Peter, can be a shepherd. I, in my own way, can be a shepherd because he is the shepherd. And we find our identity, as First John says, in that. That's how I am revealed to myself because Christ has shown me to me. Boom. Man. Which is cool. Uh, which is <laughs> which is me. That's really cool. I like the. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> I know. Um, thank you, yeah. dude. That was really man. It's cool. This is a good one. I love scripture. Scripture, dude. You know how cool. What a cool job that we have. We have a cool job. And thanks for coming and hanging out as, with us as we do our job. Indeed, you guys. We love you. Um, send us an email. Um, your questions, your thoughts. Uh, find us on Facebook. Yeah. Um. Dude, this is what we want. We want you to come up with a, a lanky guy's business card for us. <laughs> we Apparently, that's what we want. I, because uh, like I, I, all the things we could ask them for. Yeah. Well, I just found myself. I was like, dude, I need, to, I, I need to have like a lanky guy's business card that I could be like, hey, check out my podcast. Shameless, shameless self promotion. I did right. that at the at the convocation, and I wish they would have been. They were like, and so how do you spell lanky? <laughs> And uh, <laughs> they didn't do that. They might have. They were just jotting it down. I always ask myself, I'm like, how do I spell my game? No, you don't. I know, you're right. All right, you guys, we will be back next week because we're here every week. That is, unless there's a meteor. No, not yet, though. We'll still be here. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Um, find us, uh, yeah, I already said all that. So yeah. we'll see you next week. We, you guys are great. <laughs> God bless you. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado www.thomascenter.org You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org See you next week.